0: Good morning.
1: Good
0: morning. I told First service, and y'all do the same thing when that music cuts off. It's silent in here.
1: <laughs> Will you
0: stand? <clears throat> if you're able, <clears throat> we're going to sing about that glorious day.
2: Amen. Great singing. Thank you so much, worship team, for getting us kicked off. Started right. Amen? Hey, we are so thankful for Jesus and for salvation, and we're so thankful for the brand new that he has provided for us. Who's here to celebrate that this morning? Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to wake you all up. I'll make you all jump up. I'll make you all do some jumping jacks and uh, play I don't know, running around in circles in this place if we do not wake up soon. You all doing good today. Thumbs up. All right, good. It's so good to see you guys. We've been praying for you this week. We know that God's going to do something incredible in this service today. He has already been here working and moving in our first services. I know back in kids' area, it's been awesome. We're only anticipating great things here, too. We're thankful for you guys. Again, we've been praying for you. We know that God's going to do something incredible. If you are a first-time guest, thank you again for being here with us. Uh, we always just want to extend a special welcome to you. Uh, we want to get to know you and your family also. So in the chair back in front of you, there's a little Connect card. If you could fill that out. And then right after service, out these back doors, there's a Connect counter there. We have a small gift for you, Chick-fil-A gift card, a mug, and a couple other things. And then we also just want to be able to tell you about our church, where you and your family could play again, and uh, how you can get connected here uh, amongst our church family. So it's great to see you guys today. I invite you all to stand. We're going to ask God's anointing our services today. Let's do it. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you, and again, thank you so much for this place, a place that you've given us to be able to come, to be able to celebrate you, to worship, and to grow. So Lord, we just pray and anticipate great things today. Through the preaching of your word, God, I pray that you equip us, so you mold us, and you make us into the people that you want us to be, God. Uh, we just know that you want so much more for us. So Lord, I pray that our ears are attentive as the word is preached today. Again, be with our pastor. We love him, and we're so thankful for the time that you've had with him this week. I pray that as he he gets up here and he preaches, that we're just ready for it. We love you so much. Your name. Amen. Greet those around you, and we'll get started in a couple moments.
0: To dwell on throughout the year, and that helps me in my Christian walk. And this year, I chose the word near There's four letters. Near. Brother Will's been preaching a series of a big God who has big promises, and James 4:8 says, "If you draw near to God, He will draw near to you." And that's a big promise for me. Um, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Psalms 27:4. And it says, one thing I ask from the Lord, the one thing I seek the most is that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, His goodness, His perfections, and to seek Him in the temple. I love that verse. And the only way that I can do that is when I'm near Him. And this week, the enemy has been after us. We leave in the morning at 6 a.m. for Puerto Rico for a nine-day mission trip. And you know that's something that the enemy does not want. And uh, I had to go to the doctor on Monday and he told me I couldn't go because I was my asthma is out of control. And I said, uh, I'm sorry, but that's not an option. You see, there's some little boys and girls that are there that I need to go tell about how jesus loves them and i will do whatever it takes to get there and so he came up with a plan and while i didn't realize it at the time i was going to have to spend a lot of time being near god this week to get that accomplished and that was great times the song we're about to sing has a line in it and it says let us become more aware of his presence. Let us experience the glory of his goodness. The only way we can do that is by being near. And I'm gonna challenge you this morning and the rest of this year, let's be aware of his presence and let us draw near.
3: to remember that God, God's created everything you see, he breathed it into existence. Remember when his people were caught up in slavery, he rescued them. What he did was he parted the sea. And he made a way for them. And then he delivered their enemies to them. And he unlocks wounds. And he provides water from a rock. And he provides manna from heaven. And he brought down the walls of Jericho. He froze the sun allowing victory. He's toppled giants with tiny stones. He's brought fire from heaven. He's shut the mouths of lions. He preserved life in the belly of a well. He's fed thousands with a few loaves. He gives the weak strength. He heals the sick. the blind see, the deaf ear, the mute speak, the lame walk, and he's overcome evil and he's made a way through death for you and me by the death and the resurrection of the son, Jesus Christ, that we will live with him forever. We will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever. What are we afraid of? His resume is flawless.
4: He controls everything.
3: And he loves you.
4: Amen, amen. Amen, amen, and amen. So I've got to ask you this morning, what in the world are you afraid of? Honestly, what are you afraid of? His resume is flawless. Our God controls everything. Everything. And he loves you. I've started a new series called Big Promises from a Big God. In these uncertain days, we need to focus on the promises that God has made to us. And as I begin the sermon this morning, three truths that I want you to be thinking about and dwelling on as I preach this message. Truth number one, you don't have to worry about tomorrow because God is already there. In a difficult time in my own life, facing an impossible situation, a friend called me and said to me, Will, don't worry, God's got this. And and I cannot tell you how that simple statement brought huge comfort to my heart. We all need to be reminded that, you know what, God's got it. That Doesn't matter what problem you're facing, God's got it. Truth number two, God promises to be with you no matter what happens to you. This is true today, it's true tomorrow, it's true the day after tomorrow and for all the days after that. You cannot outlive God's mercies because the Bible says His mercies are new every single day. Truth number three, God has you on His heart At this very moment. He he will not forget you because he cannot forget you. To all our fears, the Lord simply says, I am with you. And that brings me to our passage today. It is a singular verse found in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. He has said, who's the he? God. God has said, I will never leave you nor will i forsake you that is such a good verse you need to hear yourself saying it it's a promise from god so let's say it together he has said what i will never leave you nor forsake you i couldn't hear you so say it again ready i will never leave you nor will I forsake you amen And if that were not enough, he goes on in the next verse and says, Therefore, we can boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? (laughs) Heavenly Father, I thank you for this promise that you've given us in your word. And dear Lord, I don't want to preach this today. I want you to preach it. I want you to speak your word through your servant by your Holy Spirit. There are some people in this room who need to be reminded of this simple promise in the Bible, that the God of the universe is wrapping them in his loving arms this morning and saying to them, you don't have to be afraid. I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. Help us to hear the promise, understand the promise, and believe it. We ask it in Jesus' name, and all the people said amen so here's the simple promise God said I will never leave you nor will I ever forsake you God knew that we would doubt this promise so he literally wrapped it in five negatives twice he repeats two Greek words that mean no and then he adds another word that also means no it's hard to bring out the proper emphasis in English, but it as, is as if God were saying to us, I will never, 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 never leave you or forsake you. Absolutely not. Wow. When Charles Spurgeon preached on this topic, he pointed out four examples in the Bible where God said to someone or a group of people, I am with you. And so in this sermon, I'm just going to use Spurgeon's outline, all right? I'm not preaching his sermon. It's my sermon, but it's his outline of four times God said to people or groups of people, I will not leave you. I am with you. And the first example is Jacob. Y'all remember Jacob in the Old Testament? Spurgeon called him the cheater, Jacob the cheater. I've always called him Jacob the deceiver. These are the words that the Lord spoke to Jacob when he was running away from his problems. And the verse is found in Genesis chapter 28, verse 15. God said, I am with you and I will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Now Jacob is on the run, in fact for the last two days he has been running away from his family when God gave him this message. He's running because he stole the inheritance that belonged to his brother Esau and then he deceived his father into giving him the blessing that belonged to his brother. So two times he cheated his brother. And that double deceit destroyed his family and it enraged his brother to the point where his brother said, I am going to kill you. And you remember these guys were twins and the brother who said, I will kill you was a man's man. He was hairy and he was a hunter. He knew how to kill things. And I think Jacob was somewhat afraid of his brother. I know I would have been so with his family fractured what does he do he takes off he runs for his life and that night after two days on the trail he uses a stone for a pillow sleeping in the wilderness under the starry skies and he has this dream remember the dream angels are coming down and going back up to heaven on this ladder that reaches from heaven to earth and up until this moment in his life god had never spoken to jacob directly god had spoken to his grandfather abraham yes he had god had spoken to his father isaac yes he had to jacob no so i am sure the last thing that jacob expected with his head resting on that stone was to hear that god was right there with him and to hear the voice of the Lord. I mean, why in the world would God speak to him after he had done to his father and his brother what he did to them? Well, it reminds me of this. God meets us at the point of our desperation. God met Jacob at the point of his desperation as he was leaving the promised land, running from his brother, running for his life, disgraced and guilty. Now God speaks to him. C.S. Lewis, we like to read C.S. Lewis. He called pain God's megaphone to rouse a sleeping world. Here's what I know. The Lord whispers to us in our pleasure, but he shouts to us in our pain. Now at last, Jacob is, I think he's ready to hear the Lord. When the painful truth finally catches up to Jacob, He has nowhere else to go. He's been on the lamb. he's been running, but he's ran out of places and God speaks to him. Here's God's message. God says, Jacob, I am nearer to you than what you think I am. In fact, I was was there with you in the tent when you tricked Esau with that bowl of soup. I was with you in your father's room when you deceived your father and got your brother's blessing. And I am with you right now while you are running for your life. And Jacob, I want you to know something. Everywhere you go, I'm going to be with you. Now, I really think at this point, Jacob feels guilty about his past, fearful about his future, and very uncertain about his present. To all of that, God simply says, dude, listen to me, I'm going to be with you. It really is a total solution to the guilt, to the fear, and the anxiety that we have. We all need to learn there is no place that we can go that God has not already been there. And he's there right now. Let me even get a little more personal. Some of you have a really messed up life right now. And let's stop blaming other people because the reason your life is messed up is because you've made some bad mistakes. You've chosen the wrong thing. Maybe you've deceived others, you've tricked others, and all of that is catching up with you. And you have been running for a long time, and you're right here today. And there's a wall in front of you. You you can't go any further. God is speaking to you this morning. He says, I was there when you did it. I saw it happen. I've really been with you all the way. And what I want you to know is even through the guilt and through the pain and through the deception, I have been there and I am here right now. And I'm not going to leave you. When the world turns its back and walks away, when your family abandons you, I will not leave you because I love you. That's a pretty good example of when God said to somebody, I will not leave you. A second example is is bigger. It it involves a group of people. It's to the nation Israel. And, And Spurgeon uses the word terrified. Israel, the terrified. The, the scene shifts to the Jews as they gather on the eastern shore of the Jordan River. Moses is now an old man. He has led them to this point, but he is about to die. Knowing the enemies his people are going to have to face as they enter into Canaan, he gives them this amazing promise in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. He said, Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified or afraid of them. For the Lord your God is the one who will go with you. And read this with me. He will not leave you or abandon you. Wow. When Moses said, don't be terrified or afraid of them... Who who he's talking about are the pagan nations who are occupying the land of Canaan. If you were here on Wednesday night, Brother Johnny, our children's pastor, preached, and he talked about the 12 spies who had gone into the land. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, came back and said, oh, it's a great land, we can do it, we can take it. The other 10 said, hold your horses, boys. There are giants in that land. And compared to them, we look like grasshoppers. There's no way in the world we can take that land. They're too big and there are too many of them. And you know what happened. (laughs) They had to wander in the wilderness for some 40 years because they said they could not do it. Well, here's the deal. 40 years later, they're back at the same place. They're about to go into the land and the giants are still there. The the list of these other nations include the Hivites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Edomites, the Moabites, the Jebusites, the Perizzites. It's all the I brothers, Jason. They're they're from somewhere over in Oklahoma, and they're bad. It's a daunting list of bad guys, and he adds to that the Philistines, giants, So the Israelites were there and and really here's the deal, Kyle, they, they faced a mathematical difficulty. If you stack up all the armies that they were about to face and you count all of those people, there are way more bad guys than there are good guys. Numerically, they were doomed to defeat. But the question is not really, who are we fighting? The real question is, who's on our side? Because if God is with you, you can't lose, man. It's as simple as that. Yes, there will be blood and toil and tears and sweat. But when you fight and God is on your side, you cannot lose. I don't, I'm not comparing the two services, but first service, people were jumping up and down and shouting because of that. (laughs) You you know, you can say amen. That that is something to say amen about, because here's what I know, everyone in this room, every one of us will face some real battles next week. You, You might face them tomorrow. You might face them today. Real battles against giants huge problems in your life that you you're outnumbered what in the world are you going to do but don't look at the problem don't look at those who are against you don't look at how big the difficulty is you realize you've got a big God on your side and your big God has given you a big promise today I will never leave you nor will I abandon you i've got to remind you his resume is pretty impressive And if he did it for them, he can do it for you. Man, I wish y'all would get excited because I I sure am excited. The the third illustration that Spurgeon used in his sermon was Joshua. He called him the fearful. We're, We're going to turn the clock forward just a couple of weeks. Moses, the old man, is now dead, and Joshua becomes the new leader of the people of Israel. They still have to cross the Jordan River and begin this long series of battles that's going to take seven years to complete. The, the question has become very personal. Is Joshua, this young whippersnapper who is probably 70, 80 years old, is he up to the task? Is he up to the challenge? Well, here's the promise God made to him. It's found in one of my favorite chapters of the Bible, Joshua chapter 1. And the promise is found in verse 5. Here's what God says to Joshua. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. And here it is. I will not leave you nor will I abandon you. As you think about this stupendous promise, don't overlook one little phrase. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Now Joshua knew all about the relationship that Moses had with God because Joshua was Moses' right-hand man. And he saw it all with his own two eyes. He he knew the story of when Moses stood before Pharaoh, the the strongest and most powerful emperor on the world's face at that time, and said to Pharaoh, let God's people go. You know what Pharaoh said? No. (laughs) And so Moses said it again. And God hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he would not show any mercy. What came next? All of those plagues, they came down, the boils and the frogs and the darkness and the hell and the water turned into blood. Still, Pharaoh would not relent and let God's people go. Finally, one terrible night, the death angel passed over the land, taking the life of the firstborn of all of Egypt. Only those with the blood of the lamb on their doorposts were spared. And it was only then that Pharaoh grudgingly relented. When the people of God were trapped at the Red Sea after they finally escaped Egypt, the sea was in front of them and the Egyptian army was behind them. What happened? Moses stretched out his staff and the waters parted. They walked across on dry ground. Later, Moses went up on a mountain, and he talked with God. In fact, he talked to God face to face, and he lived to tell about it. When he came off that mountain, his face was glowing. The people, the people couldn't even look at him because the radiance of his face. And what did he come out, kept down carrying? The Ten Commandments. God had personally written them with the finger of God on stone tablets, And Moses carried them down. Miracle after miracle happened when Moses was alive. For 40 years, their shoes never wore out. For 40 years, they never ran out of food. For 40 years, they never lost a battle. And who was their singular leader? Moses. (laughs) Moses was the man. But now he's dead. And Joshua has to follow him. I I don't blame Joshua for feeling inadequate. I mean, really, how in the world do you replace a legend? (laughs) But here's the promise God said to Joshua, I'm going to be with you just like I was with Moses. I will never abandon you, I'll never leave you. What a promise! Look at me. Everybody, look at me. God is good. Isn't God good? Most of us know the Christian chant. It goes like this. We're going to throw it up on the screen. I say, God is good. You say, and all the time. Have you ever done that before? Let's let's do it again. We're getting better at it. God is good and all the time. One more time. God is good and all the time. That, that chant started in the churches of Nigeria. But somewhere through the translation and the handing it over, we miss the most important part because at the end of saying that, they have this line. Everybody says, I am a witness. What are you a witness to? Well, that God is good all the time and all the time God is good. That's good. That's powerful. That's biblical. That is the deeper meaning of the promise that God made to Joshua. Now l- listen to me, it is not a promise of an uneasy or an easy road or unlimited victory or of no tears. I mean, after all, the Israelites are going to have to fight those battles. In fact, the entire book of Joshua is battle after battle. Here's what God is saying. You're going to have to go and fight for the land that I'm giving you, but I am with you. I am with you. Therefore, we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What in the world can man do to me? Nothing when God is with you. That brings me to number four, the last one. And everybody said, amen, last one. I told the first service, I think Spurgeon's sermon was probably a lot longer than mine. eh? But he talked about Solomon. And he called him the timid one. As King David grew older, he wanted to build a temple, a house for the Lord but the Lord told him that he couldn't build the temple because he was a man of war, a man of blood, and that house of the Lord must be built by a man of peace. So David accepted God's decree and he called on his son Solomon to build the Lord's temple. And here is David's encouragement to his son. It comes in 1 Chronicles 28:20. 20. He said, "Son, be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not leave you or abandon you until the work for the service of the house of the Lord is finished. Pretty good promise. You know what? I've been thinking about old Solomon and And I've got to say, that that was a pretty heavy load for a young man to bear. Solomon became the wisest man to have ever lived, but he followed the man after God's own heart. Joshua followed Moses, and that was hard enough, but Moses wasn't his father. Are you following me? It's kind of hard to be the, the son of a famous man. David was a natural leader, he was a gifted poet, he was a mighty warrior, he unified the tribes and inspired the nation. Without a doubt, he was the greatest king Israel ever had. How in the world would you like to follow a man like that? We get a glimpse, a picture of the pressure he faced when David asked the leaders of the nation, to support his son. I think David saw this as well. David was somewhat concerned about his son and the big task that awaited him. So in 1st Chronicles 29 verse 1, he said to the people of Israel, my son Solomon God has chosen him alone. He is young and he is inexperienced and therefore he needs your help. He's young and he's inexperienced that hebrew word inexperienced can also be translated tender in fact if you're reading out of a king james version that's the word it uses tinder how many of you are men in this room how many of you're a man's man i mean <laughs> how would you like to be called tinder <laughs> Another way that word can be translated is delicate. I would take tender over delicate, I think. <laughs> maybe, maybe the third translation is, is really the best one. Timid. He's timid. C- clearly David wondered if his son was up to the task. Now, n- now I don't know about you, and I'm just being totally honest. I, I suppose if if David were my dad... Probably one one of the greatest men of God who's ever lived. And and I knew what my dad had done. Saul has killed his thousands. David, his tens of thousands. He he had the mightiest men of Israel who, who, who thought he was the greatest thing in the world. They would follow him to hell and back. And now I'm his son, and I've got a bunch of brothers who want the throne as well. They've been fighting over it. But I'm the one chosen. And I've got to build the temple. Let me just tell you, I'm saying all that to say to you, I might be a little timid too. I know this, I'd be fearful, worried. But but who amongst us feels like you aren't enough who 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 in this room feels like you know i just can't do it who here today feels like the task that is before them the expectations that have been given to them are way beyond our ability? Angie's Angie's been wanting a new front door. We've lived in our house for 26 years, and, and I, I'll admit our front door is ugly. But <laughs> she she's been wanting this new front door for probably 10 years. And old Wad Will over here has just been kind of hanging on said, Oh man. finally, finally, as you said, baby okay, we'll get a new door. You pick out the door, whatever door you want, and we'll get her put in. She yeah, the <laughs> thank you. I'm finally getting smart in my old age, right? So she picked out this beautiful new. It's a it's a wooden door. Is it walnut? Mahogany. See, I'm so into this beautiful mahogany door. I mean, the thing is, it's a it's a beast. It's it is it's be- sometimes we're, it's not finished yet. The stain's not on it. But when we get it done, just drive down Cary Lane and look at our front door. All right? It, it is it's easily going to make our house the nicest house on the street. I, we hired a carpenter to come put the door in. My dad calls me the day he's there says, here's my dad. I'm doing an imitation of my dad. You get a new door." <laughs> it, does like it does sound like him. Dad. I said I said, "Yeah, dad, we Angie's been wanting one 10 years, got a new door. Why aren't you putting it in? (laughs)
1: Because
4: back in the day, my dad would have put it in. He would put his own door in. He ain't going to pay nobody. (laughs) No money to put a door in his house. He sure ain't going to pay nobody to come stain it right dad? <laughs> He's my dad. I love him. I love him. And I, I, I you know, I really did. I, I felt like a little grasshopper. I, I felt like a little baby boy. I felt like,
1: ooh, ooh,
4: ooh. <laughs> and here's what I said to my dad. I said, dad, that's just a little above my pay grade. What I'm thankful for is the carpenter took him all day to put the door in. Okay, <laughs> and he's a pro. But have you ever felt that way? It's just—it's beyond you. You—you—if you, you tried to do it, you'd mess it up. You feel that way? Well, here's God's word for you today. If you feel that way about your life, God said, I'll never leave you, I'll never abandon you, and I will finish the work that I've called you to do. Wow, what a promise. Everything God has for us is contained in this simple promise, I will never, 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 never leave you. I will not abandon you. Absolutely not. Whatever you need from the Lord, He's going to supply it because He will never leave you. If you feel inadequate, that's good. Because you realize you can't do it by yourself and you're going to depend even more on the Lord. How do we know this is true? Well, there are many answers to that question. We might simply remind ourselves that God has done it in the past. God has brought us through deep waters, dark nights, bitter tears, and if he's done it for us in the past, he can do it for us in the present. Yes, can. Think of all the prayers God has answered. Those prayers aren't going to be wasted. Did you know that God never starts anything that he does not finish? In my young years, back in the 80s, I had to travel down I-35 from Oklahoma City to Fort Worth numerous times. And just on the east side of I-35, before you get into Fort Worth, there was this huge house right off the interstate. I mean, you could visibly see it right on the interstate. And it was a huge monster of a house. The frame part of it was up. Even the bricks were on it. The roof was on it. The shingles were on it. But it was it was empty. It was abandoned. They never finished it. How, how could I know that? Well, I saw it every time I drove by there. No doors, no windows. You could see right through it. All the raw, raw two by four structures were on the inside and it just sat there for years and years and years. It, anybody, anybody ever saw that? You know what? I'm, all right, man, you saw that. You know what I'm talking about, man. Right there off the interstate. The, the rumor was on the interstate, rumor, you know how rumors are on interstates, <laughs> I don't, know, I don't know how I heard this, maybe on a CB radio, I don't know. That was, that was back in the day. But the rumor was that the people ran out of money and couldn't finish the house. Can, can I tell you something? That's never happened to God. What he starts, he finishes. And that's true of you and me. He has not brought us this far to leave us now. God's honor depends on him finishing the good work that he has started in us. So hold on to this truth. God will never let you go. God will finish the work he started in your life. Uh, Let me remind you one more time of the teaching of Hebrews 13.5. It contains five negatives that guarantee God is with us. And, And what should we take away from all of this? Well, if you're here today and you're like Jacob, you are guilty, take heart, God won't leave you. If like Israel, you're terrified, take heart, God is not going to leave you. If like Joshua, you feel unqualified, take heart, God will never leave you. And if like Solomon, you are timid, take heart, God will never leave you. Think about it this way. He's not only with you right now, right now, he's with you right now, right there with you, in your chair, he's right there with you. That, if you think about it long enough, is going to start blowing your brain. But think about this. Not only is he with you right here, he's way up ahead of you, down the road, into tomorrow. He is the God that goes before his people. That is a mind-blowing truth so are you worried about next week? Forget it. He's already there. What about that doctor's appointment you've got coming up? Sleep well. He's already there. What about that tough decision you've got to make for your family, your future, your finances? Fear not. God's already there. It would be enough if God walked with you through the events of your life, but God does oh so much more than that. He goes ahead of you, He clears the way, He arranges details so that when you get there, you can have the confidence that God has already been there before you and He is at work in your life in the present and in the future. What a promise! Our God was with us yesterday. He's here with us today, and he's going to be here tomorrow. That's what it means when he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. So, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? I remind you, his resume is flawless. He controls everything. and he loves you. So gather up all your problems, all your difficulties, all your giants, all your battles, all your fears. Just bring them down to the altar and give them to the God who sees and who loves you. If you're here this morning, you've never been saved, I invite you to come receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. It all begins when you do that. All the old is taken away and everything becomes new. You can walk out of here a new person today. Come and trust Jesus as your Savior. If you've got problems in your life, I plead with you. Don't walk out of here carrying a heavy load when you give give that load to Jesus Christ who loves you the most. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless this invitation. I pray that you would speak to hearts as only you can I pray that you would change lives I pray that during this invitation people would be saved I pray dear Lord that those who need to be touched by your grace and mercy would come and pray I pray for those who need to unload their burdens would come and do that this morning and walk out of here with a lighter load dear Jesus thank you thank you dear Lord for promising us that you will never leave us nor will you forsake us Therefore, we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I'm not going to be afraid. What can man do to me? Help us to claim that promise at the altar today. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask that you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. Those who are going to be baptized are making their way to the back. Those of you who need to come and pray, make your way to the altar right now. Would you come? Altars are open. Come invite Jesus into your life now come as they sing come to Jesus Thank you for all the promises in the Bible, but in particular, the one we've studied today. Lord, there are so many of us who needed to be reminded of this truth today, that you're not gonna leave us, you're not gonna abandon us, you're right here with us. Help us to remember that, dear Lord, as we go through life, as we leave this place and head into this next week, and help us to be keenly aware that you are with us and that you're going to be with us for those struggling with real life issues i pray that they would have victory in the name of jesus and we ask it all in his precious name amen amen god bless you you can be seated again thank you for being here today so glad that you were here we're gonna keep preaching this series of the great promises of god over seven thousand promises of God in the Bible. I think the 7,487, so it's going to take us a few years to work our way through all of these promises. Uh, We're we're about to have our baptism service as they are getting ready in the back, so let me go ahead and give you the announcements, and then we're going to jump into it. Uh, If you're a member of Kavanaugh Church, please drop your tithe and offering off in one of those black boxes in the back of the building. For all of you, we have church on Wednesday night. Uh, Classes and services for all age groups, and we invite you to come and participate and be involved. Monday, our group goes to Puerto Rico. I think there's a dozen who are going, and they're going to be working with Pastor Jose and the church there, but specifically, they're going to be ministering in the uh, school that has about 50 kids in it, and they're really going to take care of these kids, be a blessing to them. They're going to get to go to an orphanage in Puerto Rico. They're going to get to help feed homeless people on the street. So let's pray for their safety, and let's pray that God would use them in a mighty, mighty way. All right? Sound good? I thought by now they'd be out here. <clears throat> so uh, I think they're coming. Uh, We're black today. Has anybody got a guitar? I might sing you a couple of songs by my old friend Johnny Cash. we are not going to do that. We ready? Fantastic. Brother Jason, we're ready. Who's excited about the baptism today? Good deal. I know know several of you have come just to see one of your family members baptized, and I'm excited about that. Here they come. Here's what baptism is as they're walking in. Baptism does not save you. Baptism does not wash away your sins. Only Jesus can do that. And so you admit to Jesus that you're a sinner, you believe that Jesus died on the cross to save you from your sins, and you confess that Jesus is Lord of your life. That's what saves you, what he's done in belief in him. Baptism is what we do to testify to the world of what Jesus has done for us. What did Jesus do after he died on the cross? He was buried in a tomb, but three days later... He rose from the grave, all right? And that's what we represent through baptism. We've died to sin and we're about to be buried into this baptistry. Brother Johnny's going to do it with the kiddos right here, but he will not leave them down there. (laughs) Just as Jesus rose from the grave, he will bring them out of that watery grave into newness of life. That's what baptism is all about. Isn't that great? Give Brother Johnny a big hand. He's got some kids he's going to baptize. Okay,
5: my favorite time of the year. Isn't this cool? Getting to baptize kids. It's wonderful. We're so thankful to have today. We have Addie Berry. And what's really special about Miss... You can jump in there now or walk in there. I'm careful how I say that. Okay. So how do we do... We go down here, right? Yeah. Is it too hot? I'm sorry. I'll get some ice cubes. Okay, so she is a product of our Wednesday night Bible Club. Uh, Miss Sandy and and, and Miss Jan teach her and have been working with her, and she has accepted the Lord as her Savior. So we're so thankful to have her with us today. Our Father, in obedience to thy heavenly command, we baptize this our sister. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There you go. Ready? All right, we can get up now. Next, we have Mr. Colin. You can sit down now. So thankful for him. He, he has also been coming on Wednesday night, Sunday morning, and his parents and, and the teachers have led him to the Lord, and he's all ready to uh, follow in baptism. Isn't that great? Our Father, in obedience to thy heavenly command, we baptize this our brother in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You can grab your nose. I'm really glad to be baptized in this one. This is Alan Quick, and he's a great young man, and uh, he loves the Lord, been saved, so thankful to follow in baptism. Our Father in obedience to thy heavenly command, we baptize this our brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Good job, buddy. Oh, well, we got a dandy here. This is Miss Dallas Seabolt. She's been so excited to get baptized, haven't you? She's accepted the Lord and ready to follow in baptism. Our Father in obedience to thy heavenly command. We baptize this our sister in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Ready? Here we go. Yay! You Okay. next we have lucy and uh, lucy was kind of like going over what brother will said i go down the old lucy but i come up brand new i'm alive in jesus so i'm so thankful she understands that you ready all right our father in obedience to thy heavenly command we baptize this our sister in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit grab your nose yeah pinch it real good here we go
2: This awesome church or what? It is. Joel's smiling cuz I told him I put extra ice in it over the weekend. Joel, I'm so proud of you. It's so cool to see you taking this step in your faith to be able to come up here and be baptized. Um, I explained to J- both Joel and Zaniah that this is not like an in cap to salvation. They, they're saved, but this is a public expression of what's already happened in their heart. So I'm so proud of them, especially this day and age, for, a te- for teenagers to step up and to be bold with their faith and to live for Jesus. So so proud of you, Joel. And um, so I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions. We're going to do this, okay? Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yes. And do you promise to serve him with the rest of your life? All right. With that being said, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Awesome. Sweet. Sweet. One sec. Brother Ronnie Fox, will you pray for Joel? Thank you. All right. next up we have Zaniah. Zaniah, I'm so proud of you too. This is a big day, so very proud of you and so thankful for your faith and who you are as a person. Incredible. Um, Have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And do you promise to serve him with the rest of your life? This water isn't as cold like I said it was, huh? (laughs) Okay, good. With that being said, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Good, good. Woo. Awesome. I'm gonna ask Brother Jeff Spence if you could pray for Zaniah.
4: Amen. Amen. Now for the big people. That that was cool. This is cool, too. This is Ethan Adams, and uh, I have grown to love and respect Ethan. Uh, He is a mighty Greenwood Bulldog. That's what he is. He played baseball down in Greenwood, great athlete. He has become a wonderful dad and a loving husband. He has an awesome family who is attending Kavanaugh Church and a Meemaw who prays for him every day. Man, that's awesome. Uh, Ethan, I know you love the Lord, and I know that you're following him in baptism, and it is with great joy that I baptize this my brother in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said... Amen. (laughs) Love you, buddy. I'm going to ask my preacher man, Ken Swearingen, if he would stand and say a prayer for Ethan. amen amen sister sarah elmore has joined me here today sarah loves the lord jesus christ she's been saved and uh, actually this is the second time you've been baptized but it is it's true believers baptism god put on her heart to do this today and let me tell you miss sarah is bold about her faith i read what you put on facebook sister and i'm certainly overjoyed about it she told her family and friends that god told her to do this today and she invited them to the lord's house to witness her being baptized. That's what baptism is all about. And so, in obedience to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I baptize this, my sister, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Sarah, God bless you. Love you. God bless you. I'm going to ask my daughter, Whitney, if she would pray for Sarah. Would you pray? Amen. This is Sister Paige, and I am so thankful that God brought her and her family to Kavanaugh Church. She has a wonderful family, great husband, three great kids. And what I love about Paige so much is that she radiates the joy of Jesus in her face. Thank you so much for doing that. She is a born-again believer. She has faith in Jesus. And now she is testifying to the world that she has died to the old life and she is alive and new in Jesus Christ. It is with great joy, my sister, that I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Bless you, girl. Bless you. Is Miss Angie over there? Miss Angie? Miss Gail, would you pray for Paige today? Would you do that?
0: God bless you. Our fathers, we come to you this morning. We are so grateful for sweet Paige, Lord. I just ask that you would touch her uh, on this special day in her life. There's nothing like the day that you uh, are baptized. And I just pray, Lord, that you would be with her from this day forward on her journey uh, in her life for you. I pray, God, that uh, she would always be faithful to ask you for guidance. And, Lord, as her church family, that we would uh, walk beside her and uh, be faithful to lift her up in prayer and to give her support and encouragement. We, uh, we love her, and we just ask that you would just watch over her and bless her from this day forward. In your name we pray. Amen.
4: And give God a big hand, would you? Brother Johnny, brother Johnny, brother Johnny, we need brother Johnny up here. Let me tell you here's what's happening in heaven right now. There is a party going on in heaven. There is rejoicing in heaven because people are in the kingdom of God. Johnny, do you have those names of who won? We we had the drawing of the grill for the Puerto Rico trip and they added another deep fryer to that and both both people who won are coming to second service do you remember yeah i think it's okay, okay. sue ward sue ward is there a sue ward i don't know did sue is sue here sue sue you won the grill yeah you believe won that? the grill and jo- josh gordon and then josh gordon one that deep fryer that's, uh, I don't know, you don't even have to put oil in it. It's pretty no. cool. Anyway, here's what I told the first service people because they were all on the edge of their seat. They knew one of them was there. I said, y'all are just losers. All the winners come to second service. I don't know. Hey, thanks for being here today. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night.